Psalm 100, O tell of his might, O sing of his grace. The one is to be told and proclaimed, and the other is to be sung with loud praise. Psalm 100, Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath madeth, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him. And bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth unto all generations. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. I have found over the years <clears throat> that it is the preparation of the heart which requires the greatest effort in the studying of God's Word. For though it is required, even commanded, according to Timothy, that the servant of the Lord study as a workman, that he might show himself approved unto God, it is that he might show himself approved unto God, not unto men. For a man can fill his mind full of knowledge, but that knowledge is but vain and only proves to puffeth up, according to Scripture, if the heart is not sanctified and consecrated to God. Behold, the psalmist said in Psalm 51, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make him to know wisdom. Keep thy heart with all diligence, says Proverbs, for out of it are the issues of life. Proverbs 23 declares, and praise for the words of my mouth again declared the psalmist in Psalm 19 must flow from the meditation of our hearts if they're to be acceptable in God's sight that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight so too it is with praise and thanksgiving. As we gather this morning today, <clears throat> once again, as we do weekly, on the Lord's Day, to worship and praise Him, it requires great effort on our parts to prepare our hearts to meet God. We do not come into His presence flippantly or arrogantly 
We do not come into His presence with sadness of heart, murmurings, but the psalmist declares to come into His presence with singing. And the only way that we can do that in a way that is acceptable and pleasing to God is to know that He, the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, not we ourselves. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. For we know the Lord is good, not just occasionally. He is the very essence, the very substance of goodness, love, mercy, and grace. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth and faithfulness endures to all generations. We come not with our sorrows and our complaints. We come praising God for who He is. The psalmist would address us in a way that we'd set our hearts and our focus and our minds upon God and what He has done in us and through us and for us, not on what we fail to do for Him. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. David was so excited about the ark of God returning to God's people, he danced in the streets. And his wife envied him and hated him for that. Sometimes when you look upon God's people on Sunday, you wonder if they even know the Lord or not. Sometimes because we're so afraid of what the charismatic movement has done to singing and praising God on Sundays, we're ashamed to show any kind of happiness or gladness or joy in praising God. Come before His presence with singing from a heart full of gladness. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are His people. And the sheep of His pasture. Though the psalmist would begin this glorious psalm by commanding all the earth to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Some say this reference is to all God's people and all the earth. Not everyone, but either way. Though the psalm begins, this glorious psalm, by commanding all the earth to make a joyful noise unto the Lord in verse 2, he begins to describe that inner sanctuary of worship into which only the people of God, the sheep of His pasture, have access. He defines them in verses 2 and 3. Yet not of any merit of their own, but because they are God's chosen people and the sheep of His pasture. This is an expression of intimacy, 
a personal relationship with God. Not as a relationship that God is so far above in heaven we cannot reach Him. No, the psalmist would bring us into the inner sanctuary of worship where only His people and the sheep of His pasture have access to bring Him praise, to be thankful unto Him and His name. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into. There's the invitation behind that veil which the world cannot see or understand. This is the invitation into the inner sanctuary where we as God's people and the sheep of His pasture should bring Him praise and thanksgiving and be thankful unto Him and bless His name. It's personal. It's intimate. Not like in the Old Testament where only one man could enter into the Holy of Holies and everyone else stood on the outside. Beloved, we have through Christ access unto God the Father in the full presence of God with assurance of joy and salvation. Should that not cause our hearts to burst with joy and gladness and singing? The sovereign command to enter in is not unto all the earth. In verse 1, that's a command in general. But to those who are His people and the sheep of His pasture, to these He says, enter in. Enter in. The psalmist goes from creation in general, it is He that hath made us, to creation in particular. We are His people. What an amazing, what amazing truth. He goes from the physical creation to the spiritual creation. For in Christ, Paul said, we are a new creature. That word is the creator. We are a new creation. The same word that Moses used in Genesis when God created the heavens and the earth. So Paul says, we are a new creation. So he goes from the physical creation to the spiritual. We are His people. What a reason, what a ground for rejoicing and thankfulness and praise. Is there anything that we face in this life, any trial or affliction that could hamper us from praising God with that divine truth? There's nothing in this world strong enough, sad enough, dark enough to keep us from that praising God for He, we are His people. We are His people. Beloved, herein lies an essential truth which is vital to our entering into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Something I believe misses in a lot of worship services today. We worship God for who He is, for His sovereignty. We worship God because He's redeemed us by the blood of His Son. And those are all good things. We should be worshiping God for that. But do we come into the worship service with a remembrance, with a reminder, with a knowledge of knowing that I am His people. We are His people. The very core, the very heart and soul of our being thankful unto Him and blessing His name is that we are His people by sovereign right of election. I'm getting ahead of myself. 
But the psalmist speaks of divine election before divine redemption. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Like I said last week, as I studied through this Psalm 100, I asked myself, I questioned myself, if I've ever really truly given God the praise that He deserves. And my answer is, probably not till eternity, and it'll take me an eternity to sing it right. But why can't we begin now? We don't enter into His presence with ignorance or just simply with an emotional feeling. We don't want to listen to the music that it stirs our carnal emotions and sensitivities and senses. We want to worship God with understanding. And that's what the psalmist is saying. Before you enter into His presence or into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise, you need to know that the Lord, He's God. He had made you and not yourself. But not only that, He made us His people. We are His people. Not a people, not the people, but His people. And that by right, sovereign right, of divine election. Many people who are convinced of this wonderful doctrine of divine election are quick to argue and debate with others who don't believe in it. But have you ever considered it in the light of your worship? Giving God praise because He has sovereignly elected you to be His people? We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. We are His people. Before we ever became sheep, we were His people. Oh, this is hatred doctrine for a lot of people. A lot of people fight against it and they, they despise it and they reject it, but it's still a biblical truth. And the psalmist would have us begin here when we enter into his gates with praise and thanksgiving. Know you that the Lord, He is God, Jehovah, Elohim, covenant-keeping Jehovah God. He made you and not yourself. But not only that, <clears throat> He made you His people and the sheep of His pasture. No mention of merit in this passage of Scripture. No mention of man willing and doing something on his own. It says, no, we are His people. His sovereign right by divine election proceeds yet in perfect unison and accordance with His sovereign right by redemption. They go together. His sovereign right of divine election proceeds yet in perfect unison and accordance with His sovereign right by redemption. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. You ever considered those things together when you worship God? That's what the psalmist is trying to get us to understand. Not only know that He, the Lord, He is God. Not only know that in creation He made you, He formed you. You didn't form yourself. But know this, and this is what heightens your praise and thanksgiving. You're His people by right of sovereign election. 
and assured of that by right of redemption. That's why I say it's a wonder when you look at Psalm 100, if anyone has ever praised God to the extent that he deserves. I doubt it. Not in this lifetime. But should we not begin in this lifetime? The Lord said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And I believe that as this Psalm 100, and think about this, Psalm 100 has been a a great source of comfort and encouragement and hope for God's people for generations past. Man, as I looked through church history and examined how many people used and sang Psalm 100 in the times of their greatest despair and how the church history is filled with God's people singing the wonderful truths of Psalm 100. And here we are today. Here we are today singing the same psalm. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Beloved, I believe that we shall be singing this same psalm throughout eternity. If it's true, and it is, that God's Word shall not pass away, we shall be singing it in perfect harmony with all of God's saints throughout every generation before the throne of God in eternity. And I'm telling you, we will sing it with a perfect, with a perfect understanding. Yet why can't we start now? This divine truth of this sovereign right by divine election in accordance with this sovereign right by redemption, beloved, runs through Scripture like a main artery in the body. Look at Psalm 79. Bear with me as we look at a few passages of Scriptures. Psalm 79. Listen to the words of the psalmist. Psalm 79, verse 13. So we, thy people, and sheep, there it is again, we, thy people, and sheep of thy pasture, will give thee thanks forever. We will show forth thy praise to all generations. Sounds like he's echoing Psalm 100. But notice what leads sheep of thy pasture. We are thy people. We're thine by right of sovereign election. Psalm 95 7, Psalm 95, verse 7. Well, let's do 6, since it's so wonderful together. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Sounds like Psalm 100. Why? For He is our God. And we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation and as in the days of temptation in the wilderness. He is our God, verse 7. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. You see how throughout Scripture we have these two uh, in unison. We're his people by sovereign election and we're his sheep by sovereign redemption. A glorious thought. If you just spend a little bit of time contemplating these two divine and blessed truths, His by divine sovereign election, by right of sovereign election, but also by right of sovereign redemption. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, in your soul, in your spirit. What a glorious truth. 
worth contemplating, meditating upon, until it just saturates our soul with praise and thanksgiving that God is such a God as that. Look at Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 34. Verse 30. Ezekiel 34, verse 30. Thus shall they know that I, the Lord, their God, am with them, and that they, even the house of Israel, are my people, saith the Lord. And ye are my flock, the flock of my pasture, are men, and I am your God, saith the Lord God. Again, echoes Psalm 100. It's almost like the psalmist in Psalm 100 looked at Scripture and combined it all into one psalm. How could five verses reveal so much? It's amazing. Only God's Word could do that. When I first looked at Psalm 100, when the Lord led me there, I thought, okay, five verses. That's a quick expository sermon there. And the more I looked into it, the more I studied it, I thought, this is bigger than Psalm 119 in many ways with 175 verses. John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Verse 14. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, my sheep, and I am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so now know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep have I, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. I'm the good shepherd, and know my sheep. And I am known of mine. Verse 15, then he lays down his life. Stay with me. You know why he laid down his life? Because we're a sheep. They shall call his name Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins. His people from their sins. Do you see that? You see how sovereign right of election precedes sovereign right by redemption? Don't misunderstand me, but I believe in a lot of ways... Some Christians tend in their heart and mind, maybe not purposely, but they tend in their heart and their mind, and don't misunderstand the statement, but it's true. They tend in their heart and minds to give the Son of God more praise than the Father. Worship, we begin with the Father. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. He hath made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Man, I'm telling you, that's one way to lose yourself in worship and praise because I'm telling you, the more you contemplate and think about that, the more you meditate on that, you don't find any reason, any merit of all for God even thinking about you. Look in verses 26 to 28 in the same chapter, chapter 10 of John. But you believe not because you're not of my sheep, 
as I said unto you, he doesn't say you don't believe because you don't believe or uh, you believe not. He says it's not because you don't have faith. It's not because I haven't redeemed you. He said you don't believe me because you're not of my sheep. You're not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. My Father gave them me. We looked at this a few months ago, passage of Scripture. You can never look too much of this. Isaiah speaks about the Lord's covenant with the Father, that when He would die, redeem God's people, he would give him a people of his own. The Lord said, my father gave them me. We are his people and. The psalmist doesn't seek, and I love this part, he doesn't seek to defend nor define this divine truth about God's sovereign right by election. But like all truths concerning God, especially in worship, he simply declares it to be true. We are his people. I love that about God's word. Men think they have to argue and debate over everything before they can convince somebody. Just preach the word. I like what Martin Luther said. Lass das Wort Gott stehen lassen. Leave the word of God alone. Mighty fortresses are God. Leave the word of God. Let it speak for itself. You don't have to try to reason with men out of your own understanding. Speak the word of God. Speak the words of God. Amen. We think we have to add something to the word of God to convince men. No. Preach the word. That's why Paul said preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Why? Because the word is the only thing powerful enough to convince a sinner. Psalmist doesn't try to defend this beloved, blessed doctrine. He doesn't try to define it. He simply states it. We are His people. And beloved, this divine truth is so vital to our giving God the thanks and praise that He truly deserves. It is so vital, again I say that, to our giving God the thanks and praise that He truly deserves because it must start with God. Yes, again, we praise God for His Son, for dying for us on Calvary, for His blood which purchased us. We praise God for His Son, yet we must, in giving God the fullness of praise and thanksgiving, never forget that it starts with God. We are His people. Without which we deny God the glory due unto His name. Turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning of verse 3. He speaks about salvation here. I want you to see how Paul begins this wonderful declaration. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. In our worship and in our praise and our giving of thanks to God, how often do we bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? 
who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according hath he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. What an amazing choosing. Election. Having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ, this is how he fulfilled it, secured it, obtained it, according to the good pleasure of his will. That amazing? We read in Revelations 4 that he created all things for his good pleasure. To the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, <laughs> in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. Do you notice that verse 7, he speaks of redemption through his blood? Uh-huh. Yet the four verses prior to that, he speaks of God choosing us before the foundations of the world. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Though our salvation, dearly beloved, was secured and accomplished, completed, finished in Christ, its divine origin was founded in God's sovereign election. That's the origin of it. We weren't redeemed to become His people. We were redeemed because we are His people. Man that sets man's hatred in flames. He hates this doctrine. God can be anything He wants to to sinful man. He just can't be sovereign. He's got to let me take part of something. He's got to let me attribute something of my salvation to myself. And the Word of God says no. This is how we enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Because we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Back to Psalm 100. Know ye that the Lord, verse 3, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people. The sheep of His pasture. Do you know how intimate that is? The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord Jehovah is my shepherd. You know how tender and caring a shepherd is to a sheep? Do you see the tenderness of God in the light of His sovereign election, of Him being God, the Maker of us, 
You see how the psalmist bids his people into his presence with praise and thanksgiving, not only because we are his people, but because he is our shepherd. A shepherd protects and keeps the sheep. Let's no harm come to them. Feeds them. Leads them beside still waters. Feeds them on the precious word of God. Restores their soul. The psalmist would have us to understand these things before we enter into his gates. You see, we don't enter into these gates or his gates to learn these things. We enter into these gates with thanksgiving and praise because we know these things. We know these things. And I began looking at that again this past week and I thought, Lord, how many times have I come on Sunday and entered into your presence not acknowledging hardly any of these things? And yet the psalmist says we must. We live in a world today where people give this impression that to worship God is a very easy thing. If we understand anything about God and anything about what the psalmist is telling us here, worshiping God is one of the most hardest things a child of God can do because there's so many things in this world that seek to divert us, to hinder us from giving Him the praise and thanksgiving he deserves. Do you know that? We come with sluggish hearts. We come unprepared. We haven't prayed enough. We haven't read scripture enough. We haven't prepared our hearts. We haven't meditated enough. Joshua said to the people of Israel, prepare yourselves tonight because God's doing great things tomorrow. If prayer, like Martin Luther says, is one of the hardest things a child of God can ever do, knowing that our prayers have reached heaven and into the, into the presence of God, how much harder is it to come before the presence of God with singing and gladness when we don't prepare our hearts for such an occasion? When we're not giving our, our finest moment, if you think about it, because if you think about how infinitely big God is, if you forget that, you live in Texas, go out into the night skies when there's no light sometimes. You see so many stars, so many different stars, and you think he created all of that. If you think this is amazing, think about how big God is. And in just a few short words, this is the majesty and glory of God's word. In just a few short words, the psalmist gives us a definition, a description of how we can praise God and it engulfs almost everything there is about God. Only God's Word could do that. Isn't that amazing? Normally, it'd take a whole book, if not more. I mean, John said if all the books were recorded that Christ did, all the works Christ did on earth, the books could not contain it. Can you imagine trying to write down a book on how it is to worship the eternal, infinite, all-knowing, sovereign God? It would, books wouldn't be able to hold it. But this is the amazing, wonderful thing about God's Word in just a few short Verses, the Spirit of God instructs our hearts on how to praise God. Here, you're going to take home and build on what you heard in preaching. And you're going to go, you know what? That's amazing. 
not only, not only was I revealed this about God, but I've learned this as well. That's preaching. That's how it works. Be thankful unto Him. It already said thanksgiving. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. But now it gets even, like I said, on a personal level, be thankful unto Him. Thank you, Lord, for everything. Not just merely saying the words. Many times when we pray or speak about God, we, we say those words so superficially. We thank you, Lord, for all. No, be thankful. Be thankful unto God. He healed ten lepers. They all walked away. Only one turns around, and it wasn't even a Jew. <laughs> it was a Gentile. He turned around, came back, and gave God praise. And the Lord said, where's the other nine? Why don't you thank God? You know it's a sin, according to God's word, to not be thankful to God. Do you know it's a sin? And yet to be thankful to God brings the greatest joy and happiness and contentment. Thanking God for everything. Everything. Are you listening to me? Everything. We're, we, we've got to be thankful for everything, for all the little things in life. Not just for the big blessings, but all the things in life. Thank you, God, for my children, for my wife. I, I don't know, maybe because I was ignorant all these years, probably really the true reason for that. But as I grow older, and uh, uh, my body keeps reminding me that I'm not far from the end of this pilgrimage, I find myself being more thankful of the things God gives me. Working in a nursing home, you see people that they, they can't even brush their teeth. They can't even feed themselves. They can't even hold a spoon up to their mouth. They can't go to the bathroom by themselves. And look at that and say, God, I take so many things for granted that you've given me. Oh, and I've learned to thank God ever so much more for my wife my children. You see, as we'll see next week as we begin to look more into the latter part of this verse, actually praise and thanksgiving is something that a child of God does all the time. It never ends. When we forget to thank God for those small things, those seemingly insignificant things, we're not going to be able to thank Him for the larger things. Learn to thank Him for all things. Be thankful unto Him. And bless His name. That's an amazing, amazing truth. Bless His name. Bless your name, Lord. I bless your name. Why His name? The name of Jehovah is a high tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Bless His name. What's His name? Jehovah, Elohim, God, Savior, Christ, Prince of Peace. Bless His name. Lord, I bless your name. I'm telling you, this, this psalm is just full of reasons for us to be thankful unto God. It's all about God. There's nothing in here that concentrates on us. Nothing in here about us. It doesn't even say, remember your sinfulness and your weaknesses and your failures. It doesn't say any of that. It says when you come in, just think on Him. Think on Him. Don't give yourself so much credit. It doesn't ask for false humility. It asks for praise and thanksgiving and singing and gladness. 
for who he is and what he's done for us. So with that said, next week I want to look at this last verse. There's a threefold reason the psalm gives us to be ever thankful and praising God and thanking his name and blessing because he said, first of all, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. Do you know the Lord is good is found only seven times in Scripture? If you know anything about numbers, just a little play right there. The Lord is good. Not sometimes. Not occasionally. He's good all the time. I'm looking so forward to looking into that. He's good all the time. Even in our darkest trials, He's good. Even when we're suffering the greatest pain and agony in this present life, it's knowing and realizing that God is good that lifts our hearts out of the despair, the miry clay, and sets our feet upon a rock. He's good. Secondly, His truth, His mercy, His everlasting. Do you know goodness and mercy? I studied that this week in a concordance out. Goodness and mercy go together a lot throughout Scripture. It's like they're, uh, you can't separate them. I want to say German, isn't that strange? Untrennbar, after all these years. Goodness and mercy is everlasting. Everlasting, never stops, everlasting. You can never, ever extinguish His mercy. Are you listening to me? You can never, ever extinguish His mercy. It's everlasting. Why does He say everlasting? Because no matter how often you and I fail and sin and fall short, His mercy we shall never, ever be able to extinguish. It's everlasting. It's forever. And His truth of faithfulness endureth to all generations. You know what the saints of God of old are saying upstairs in heaven, if I could kind of just for a minute visualize. They're saying amen to all that. His truth, His faithfulness endure to all generations. We are evidence of that today in 2023, fixing to go into 2024. We're evidence that His truth endureth to all generations. Because we are here today when men and women of God's people for four, five, six hundred, seven hundred years ago claimed the same thing. We're here to claim the same thing. And I'm here to tell you the same thing. Nobody has extinguished His goodness, His mercy, or His truth. Wonderful reasons to praise God. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father. Lord, we are truly forever indebted unto you for your goodness, your mercy, and your truth. Lord, I pray that, Father, not only are we humbled by this 100th Psalm, but I pray that, Father, as your people and the sheep of your pasture, I pray that our hearts would be so filled with thanksgiving and praise. Teach us to be thankful unto you and to bless your name. For, because you're good. Your mercy is everlasting, and your truth endureth to all generations. Thank you, dear God, for who you are. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for revealing unto us the Father, the express image of the Father, Hebrews chapter 1. What a glorious. In times past, God spoke unto his people by prophets, but now he speaketh unto us by his dearest Son.
Oh, dear God, we have such a wonderful salvation in Christ. Help us to praise you and thank you. Help us to be reminded every Sunday, every Lord's Day. Lord, help us to come prepared and ready with singing and gladness in our hearts so that we might truly enter into your gates with thanksgiving and praise. Father, we love you and thank you for all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.